Inside all of us, there's a desire to be accepted, approved of, appreciated, and assured that we're wanted. We have an inner longing to fit in. This message is the second in the series, Fear Less. The message is entitled, Less Fear of Rejection. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want you to join me this morning in welcoming all of our campuses, all the folks up in Frederick. Good morning to you. We welcome you. The folks at Clarksburg, universities at Shady Grove, let's give them a good uh, Gaithersburg round of applause. And all you guys welcome in our Gaithersburg family as well as we get ready to dive into God's Word this weekend. We're continuing the series entitled Fearless, and I want to talk to you this weekend about uh, the topic of less fear of rejection. How do you deal with rejection in your life? In this series, uh, what we're looking at is not so much how to completely overcome fear because in your life, you're never going to get to a place where you're fearless in the sense of not having any fear. In fact, that's actually not even healthy. There's certain fears in your life that are good for you. You know, if you've got uh, someone chasing you with a gun, it's a good thing to be afraid, right? There's certain things in life that uh, really are proper fears that you have, but there are also areas where fear becomes dysfunctional. And so the whole idea of this series is how do you and I lessen fear in our life and lessen the impact of fear. And one of the major fears that all of us experience, in fact, uh, perhaps the most common fear uh, of the human psyche, the human soul, is the fear of rejection. All of us want to be loved, we want to be accepted, we want to be approved of, we want to be appreciated, we want to be affirmed. All of us have those needs, those feelings inside. And what happens in relationships is that we oftentimes, when we're interacting with people around us, we have this, this, this sort of fear in us, it may be conscious or unconscious, that we're not going to be liked, we're not going to be wanted, we're not going to be accepted, we're not going to be affirmed. And because of that, it drives us to make a lot of bad decisions. See, a fear of rejection really locks you down on the inside. It causes you to be very vulnerable to peer pressure. Sometimes people even uh, compromise their moral values just to be accepted by people. There are times it will cause you to be extremely needy. And so needy people don't do well in relationships because relationships are built around mutuality of connection. And so when one person is more needy than someone else, it really places a major drain on the relationship. And there are a lot of psychologically, spiritually, emotionally needy people that have a hard time connecting with others because at the root of it is a fear of rejection. And there are all kinds of things I could talk about this morning. In fact, I listed 12 consequences of uh, the fear of rejection in my notes, and I don't have time to cover them this weekend for you. Uh, Hopefully, maybe I can put that together at some other time, maybe in some resource for you, but I will tell you that the fear of rejection does a lot of damage to you and to all the relationships in your life. So what I want to do today is talk about how do you conquer this? How do you overcome it? How do you have less fear of rejection? I'm going to give you eight things today that will help you to begin to attack this issue, this problem, this challenge in your life. The first thing that's necessary, if you and I are going to overcome this fear, at least lessen its impact upon us, is we have to accept the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Nothing else will ever matter in your life until you do this. this is, you can't conquer the fear of rejection really without this, this primary foundational point. One of the biggest lies in the world today is the lie that something or someone other than God can and will make you happy and secure. There's a lot of people that are looking just for that right person. If I find that unique person, if I could just find my my soulmate, by the way that phrase is well overused today, my soulmate, and I would suddenly be complete. Well, Well, no, you're not going to be complete because you may find what might be, quote, your soulmate, but your soulmate has soul issues. 
And their soul issues are going to show up in your world at some point in time because they're not perfect and neither are you. And so even though you may find what you think, at least initially, may be the perfect person for your, your world, your life, I promise you it's just a matter of time before you're going to be disappointed in some way. You might say, well, if I could just be a part of, the, of, of a group that would accept me, a group that I really value, if I could be in the end crowd, and that would really make me feel good on the inside. Well, it might have a temporary sense of making you feel good, but it doesn't satisfy you completely because there will always be another in crowd that you will want to be a part of. And when you're in one in crowd, it means you're out of some other in crowd. You can't be in all the in crowds. It's impossible. And so in life, as you go through life, you're going to face these moments of how can I feel valuable? How can I feel worth something? How can I feel accepted? And the reality is that the only love that will ever satisfy you to the core, the only love that is perfect, the only love that will ever fill up the hole in your heart to give you security is the love of God. There is no love like His love. It is perfect. It is consistent. It never stops. It never fails, the Bible says. It is what you need on the inside that will give you capacity for good relationships with other people. You need to start with the foundation of the love of God. To know that God loves you. God accepts you. That you're valued by God. That you, you have opportunity with God for your life to be fully realized. And all of his potential that he placed within, within you. And Jesus, during his earthly ministry... He showed this love of God to people from all categories of life, from the highest echelon of society to the lowest echelon of society. Jesus consistently showed love to people. He didn't show more love to the higher class than the lower class, and he didn't show more love to the lower class than the higher class. Jesus loves everybody across the board, all across the continuum. Jesus is a lover of people. That's why he came. He came because he loved people. Now, how do we enter into this love of God? Well, the entrance into and the experience of the love of God is a growing thing in your life. You don't get it all at once. You don't recognize it all at once. In fact, you read the gospel accounts, you read the, the epistles, the letters in the New Testament, you'll find that we're told to grow in love, to grow in our knowledge of God's love. But it, there's a beginning point for it. And the beginning point for experiencing the love of God is to open your life to Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. He is the love of God expressed to us. In Acts chapter 2, there was a, a, a day when the Holy Spirit was poured out for the very first time after Jesus had risen from the grave and he'd gone back to heaven and promised to send the Holy Spirit. It happened on what is called the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And after the Spirit of God was poured out on 120 believers, they all spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem and Peter started preaching this amazing message. And people are listening that don't know Jesus. And he preaches this message. He gets to the end. And the people ask a question. What do we need to do to have what you have? We realize that you have something we don't have. You have something in your soul, in your spirit that we've never experienced in our lives. How do we get what you got? And Peter said, just repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do you enter into the love of God? You repent. You turn away from your way of living. You accept Jesus Christ. You're willing to publicly acknowledge him. That's what baptism is all about. It's not what saves you. It's a public acknowledgement of your faith in Jesus. So you stand up to the whole world and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And when you do that, the Bible says you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit causes the love of God to be shed abroad or brought to light in your life. 
very, very important to recognize that. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if we will declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, what will happen? We will be what? Saved. Saved means you're brought into relationship with God. Your life now is finally opened to a love that was never opened to before. And then, of course, John 3, 16, we know it well. For God so loved. Didn't say God so condemned. It says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, notice this, what's the word? What do you have to do? All you have to do is believe that whoever believes in him shall not perish should not live a perishing life, but have eternal life. And then, of course, Jesus talked in John chapter 10 about abundant life as well. So can I ask you today, have you opened your life to the love of God? And if you have, are you growing in an awareness of God's love? Are you secure in the reality that if the whole world rejected you, Jesus still loves you? That if every friend walked out on you and you didn't have another friend in the world, that Jesus would still be your friend? Isn't that great to know? That you never have to go to bed at night, wake up in the middle of the night, or get up in the morning feeling alone because there is one that, is, that stands with you. He's closer than our brother, the Bible says. He is the friend and the friend indeed who loves you through every circumstance of life. And until you and I begin to open our life to that love of God, we will never ever be satisfied by the love of anyone else. You can't be satisfied by the love of others in place of God. It starts with the love of God in your soul. The second thing that's necessary, if you and I are going to experience uh, more freedom from the fear of rejections, we have to heal the pain of past rejections. You can't expect to be free from the fear of rejection in the present if you're still living in the pain of rejection in the past. You get that? Say it again. You can't expect to be free from the fear of rejection in the present if you're still living in the pain of rejections from your past. As long as there's still haunting pain in your life from rejections that have happened to you that have not yet been resolved, I promise you that's going to continue to be a blockage in your life moving forward to breaking free from what we're talking about this weekend. And all of us have had past rejections. Every person here, you have been rejected by someone at some point in time in your life. We all experience it. The difference between people that move forward and those that don't are how you deal with the rejections when they come your way. Some people, when they're hurt by people and rejected in a situation, they begin to close themselves off and they begin to allow that rejection to dominate them and to define the relationships of their life. And they progressively move backward and backward and put up walls around their life so that nobody can get in because they don't want to experience that pain any longer. And many times there's anger and bitterness on the inside and they start seeing rejection even when when it's not there because they're carrying this pain in them. And then there are other people who process that pain. They realize this is a part of life I have to deal with. And they move on into a better future. And so I would ask you, how about you? Is there, are, are, there, are there places in your heart where you are holding on to unresolved rejection in your life? It's very subtle. It sneaks in and hides in little crevices at times. And then it kind of comes up when, we're, when we least expect it. Again, by our mechanisms of defensiveness, our mechanisms of pulling back into our own world, and our mechanisms of, of striking out at people and rejected them before they reject us. You know, a lot of people do that. They reject others so that others will not have an opportunity to reject them. And so they live an aggressive kind of life. They're always pushing people away in that mindset. And so the issue is, have you dealt with the rejection? 
rejections in your life. How do you do this? How do you heal from the pain of past rejection? I'm going to give you several things, five essential steps that will help you to do this. Number one, you've got to identify, acknowledge the pain. You cannot heal what you don't acknowledge. You'll never heal what you don't acknowledge. So you have to take some time and stop and ask God to help you see these places in your life. Because many times we are blinded ourselves to those things. And we look for those things. Am I holding these things in me that I need to address? And so it begins with awareness. You can't heal what you don't acknowledge. And you forgive people. Because I've discovered that my major issue with for rejection is with people. Amen? I don't normally get a lot of pain in my soul when my computer rejects me, okay? Anybody have a computer that doesn't work from time to time, okay? Just kind of shuts down on you, right? Okay. Well, I don't get emotionally upset about that. I don't feel like rejected. Oh, my, my computer rejected me today. How terrible. No, it's a machine, right? But if a person rejects me, it's quite different, isn't it? Someone that I wanted to like me, somebody that I wanted to be pleased with me and they turn their back on me or they're disloyal in some way to me or they betray me in some way. That hurts. Amen. Doesn't it hurt? Does it hurt you? Am I the only person that hurts? It hurts when people do that, right? Okay. And when someone disappoints you, when someone does something evil against you or rejects you in some way, this hurt happens down in your soul. It's real. It's not phony. It's real. It really does happen in you. But just because the hurt is there, it doesn't mean it has to stay there. Amen? You can deal with it by forgiving that person. You say, well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. They deserve to get a taste of their own medicine. I'm going to give back to them what they gave to me. You know who you're hurting by doing that? You're really not hurting them. You're hurting you. Because you're spending all of your time thinking about how to get back at the person who hurt you. So now they're controlling your life, okay? Just by the fact that you're thinking about them all the time. They're controlling your life and controlling your reactions. And the best thing that you can do when you've been hurt by someone is to do what Jesus said to do and to pray a prayer. Father, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Amen? It's part of the Lord's Prayer. Isn't it interesting that Jesus included that in the Lord's Prayer? Why? Because he knew we were going to get hurt in life. He says, make sure you keep your heart clean and keep it in an attitude of forgiveness. The third thing is ask God to heal your soul. Our God is a soul healer. He's a soul healer, okay? God knows how with his grace and mercy to get down into those painful places of your life and just, just tweak and work and heal. Many years ago, I was, uh, I was uh, driving one day and I was dealing with some things in my own life. I was aware of something that was in me that I needed to address because I felt some anger about something toward a person and I, I hadn't gotten to the root of it yet. So I was driving and, and praying about it, asking God to help me. And as I began to pray, just all of a sudden, just this massive amount of emotion came up out of me. I just started weeping as I'm driving and I'm just driving. I'm not even sure I was driving because I was weeping so profusely. And, uh, and the pain of that sort of came to the surface. And, and in that moment, I did something. I did the number two. I forgave that person from my heart. And then I felt a healing flow of Jesus inside of me. And you know what? That's never troubled me since that time ever again. You know why? Because Jesus is Dr. Jesus. Jesus is the healer. He's the great physician. And if you will ask Jesus to heal your soul where it hurts, he will do that. You've got to do your part. You can't be unforgiving and bitter and expect him to heal you. But if you'll do your part, 
Jesus will do his part in healing you. Then number four, learn the appropriate lessons. Sometimes there's some lessons to learn through your rejections, right? Like number one, don't hang around that person again, okay? Right? We'll talk more about that in a moment. Build some boundaries in your life. I'll, I'll explain that. And then anticipate a better future. Believe that this is not going to die. Don't, let me say it this way. Never let rejection define you. That was a great place for an amen. Don't let the rejections in your life define you. Well, they rejected me. I guess that's just what's going to be the rest of my life. Everybody's going to reject me. Never let rejections in your life define you. They are an event. They're not a definition of your life. They're an event. They're not a prophecy for your future. So make the decision to heal the pain of past rejections. Number three, live by God's rules. How do you... Get past the fear of rejection. Live by God's rules. Acceptance is about pleasing someone, right? If I want to be, in, I want to be accepted by a group, what, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to please the group so that the group will accept me, right? Got that? Okay. If I'm trying to be connected with a person, then I'm going to try to please that person so that person will accept me. Notice you can't separate pleasing and acceptance. They go together. They work together. And there's a part of this pleasing thing that's actually good for us. It's good for children to want to please their parents, right? Isn't that appropriate? Okay, right? Nothing wrong with that. Doesn't mean that the love of the parents is contingent on the child's pleasing them, but it's good that a child wants to please their parents. It is actually good for an employee to want to please their employer. These are all good things. There are things in life where pleasing is okay. There's nothing wrong with pleasing. It's when you're getting the definition of your life from it. Now, what I want you to see is that God loves you, but he wants you to live in a way that's pleasing to him. There's a difference between being loved by God and pleasing God. God's love is always the same. God never stops loving you, but sometimes he is not pleased with you. This is what you see in the ministry of Jesus when these two things, love and pleasure, come together. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, the Bible says that when he came up out of the waters, read this in Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and there was the voice that came out of heaven, this is my beloved Son, this is the Son I love, in whom I am well pleased. You see those two things? I love him, but not only do I love him, I am Help me out, church. I am pleased with him. You got that? Okay. And the way we want to live our lives is not just with some sort of mystical awareness of the love of God, but also to live it in a way that we know that we are pleasing to God, that we're living by God's rules so that we not only know that he loves us, which is consistent uh, with God's nature because he is love, but also to realize I'm going to live with God's pleasure. I want to live my life in a way that I receive and earn the pleasure of God. I don't earn my salvation. I don't earn grace from God, but I do, if you will, receive the approval of God by the way that I live. Let's take a look at some verses here very quickly together. Everybody with me so far? Okay. 
Here's some verses. Genesis 4, 6 and 7. God talking to Cain when Cain was dealing with his jealousy against Abel. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. Notice that. Pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Colossians 1, verse 10. So that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Paul said, I wouldn't be entrusted with this ministry if I had not, if I had not met some guidelines. If I had not met some points of approval, I could not engage in this ministry. But I've been approved, tested and approved by God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to... Please, God. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Do your best. Everybody say it. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved or one that is pleased. So I want you to note that if you want to experience more of the pleasure of God in your life, then you live to please Him. Amen? Okay. The reason a lot of Christians are struggling with their, their relationship with God is because they're living their life and living their way and they're not living to please God. And so they're missing out on the flow or the awareness of that pleasure in their life from the Father. The Father loves you, but He wants you to live by His rules. Number four, anticipate acceptance. How do you get rid of the fear of rejection? Anticipate acceptance. In just a moment after you've written that down, I'm going to give you a caveat, okay? Anticipate acceptance. Are you ready for the caveat? But be realistic. Not everybody's going to like you. It's just the way it is. It's unhealthy and it's counterproductive to approach relationships anticipating rejection. Because if you expect it, what are you going to get? You're good. I promise you, if you live your life controlled by rejection then you're going to create an aura about you that generates it. It's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay? That if I don't think anyone will ever like me, I'm not worthy of any relationship, I'm just a worthless little worm squirming around, okay? that I'm going to carry myself that way without realizing it, and then when I try to interact with, with someone, they're going to feel and sense that neediness of my life. And so I've already anticipated rejection, so what I've done is I've set myself up for it already, right? I've already set myself up for that rejection. And so you need to go into life expecting people to like you, okay? In fact, feeling this way, if people don't like me, they have a problem, okay? Right? It's not my problem, it's their problem. And I'll come back to your problem in just a moment because sometimes you have a problem too, okay? But to have this attitude that people are going to like me, not I'm going to be rejected, but I'm going to be accepted by people. That frees you so much, okay? And, but at the same time, not everybody's going to like me, okay? So what that means is this. It means some people are going to really discover how great I am and some people are going to miss out on the blessing, okay? Right? Right? 
You've got to, you got to come to this point where you live free that way. You have, I, don't have to live, I don't have to have everybody liking me, but I can still live with the anticipation of being accepted. Okay, Michael, can I have you just for a second to come up and help me out here? Okay, Mr. Michael Parker, one of our staff members here. This guy's a great guy. I love this guy, okay? Get close to me, okay? You're almost as tall as me, and you're on the floor. This is, that's scary, okay? That's just really scary, okay? I'm on the platform, okay? Let's say that I really admire Michael, and I do. And let's say I really admire Michael, and I, I really want to be his friend, okay? I want to be Michael's friend, okay? And I want to kind of connect with him. I want to, be a, I want to get to know Michael, okay? And I want him to like me. Oh, I hope Michael likes me, okay? And I'm, I'm going to meet him maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time I have a chance to talk. If I, if I walk up to him and say, hi, Michael, how are you? My name is Dale. It's so nice to meet you. How are you? Things are doing good with your life? You know, really appreciate all that you do around here. You're, you're awesome. And, you know, if there's any way that I can help you, let me know. Right? Fantastic. Good. Then what I've done is, notice my eyes have been, where my eyes have been. With his eyes, we've had a conversation. I've been looking at him. And we've connected. And what do you think Michael's impression is of me right now? I'm his boss. That's probably his impression. <laughs> okay. That's probably his impression right now. <laughs> no. Whatever you say, Pastor. <laughs> no, I think he likes me, okay? Because I, I didn't come on pushy, okay, right? I didn't come on needy. How did I come on with him? Confident, friendly. And if Michael walks away and doesn't like me, do you think I'm going to go home and spend the next four hours crying? No. Okay, why? Because it was just a... But, but let's say that I walk up to Michael, I want to meet him, and I say, Hey, Michael, how are you? So. I've heard a lot about you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I sure hope he likes me. Okay. Now, what have I done just then? Okay. Because of what was going on in me. Are you with me? Okay. Had an effect outside of me. Are you with me on that? Okay. And so I projected that into the relationship. And then Michael walks away and says, who is that guy? Okay. <laughs> right. Right. And so the best thing that you can do in your life is create a sense of not cockiness. Cockiness stinks, okay? okay? We're not talking about pride or arrogance, but a sense of I, I am a creation of God. I am a child of God, amen? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Sing it with me. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So I walk up and I'm thinking, I am a child of God. He is a child of God. We are going to like each other. <laughs> Got it? Okay. With me on that? Okay. So a lot of it happens, thank you very much. And you still have a job, by the way. That's what I'm But some people are going to reject you. And you have to be prepared for that. And sometimes people reject you not not for any major reasons other than sometimes just your faith. You know, that some people will reject you because you're a Christian. And by the way, I'm going to venture into some territory right now. If you're not getting any heat in your life for being a Christian, you probably are not standing up very strong as a Christian. That was a kind of weak two or three amens right there. But okay. If you never get any heat in your life for your convictions and being a Christian, chances are nobody really knows, okay? So at some point in time, because if you're a Christian, you're different from the world. Right? Okay? And the world will try to put pressure on you to, to conform in certain ways. And if you're a Christian, you have to be able to withstand that pressure. 
And sometimes people will not like that when you have a different perspective, a godly perspective compared to the world. Jesus acknowledges, Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said in John 15, 20 and 21. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. There will be times that people will reject you for a variety of reasons, and sometimes they will reject you because of your faith. Don't let it get you down. Realize that Jesus said this is going to happen in your life. And when they reject you because of your faith, they're actually, who are they actually rejecting? They're actually rejecting him. Now, let me say one other word. Don't be an obnoxious Christian that just causes people to reject you, okay? Anybody met one of those before? Okay, don't be like that, okay? Be a stand-up Christian, okay? Don't be afraid of your values, afraid of what you believe to be true in the Scriptures and what the Scriptures teach. But don't be obnoxious. Don't, don't go around and, you know, like, earn your own persecution, okay? Don't do that, okay? And some people get persecuted. I don't even feel sorry for them because they set themselves up for it, okay? Oh, pastor, pray for me. I'm being persecuted. Well, if you're nicer, you probably wouldn't be, okay? okay? Right? Okay? So make sure you realize that there are things that you can do that adjust that. Number five, let rejection draw you closer to God. What do you do when you're rejected? You're going to be rejected. You go to God for comfort. You go to God for strength. Amen? Because it hurts. But you go to God for comfort, go to Him for strength. Learn what you can learn from the pain. What can I learn from this? You respond with love and forgiveness. Then you also set proper boundaries. This is important. Don't have a lot of time to talk about this. But if you set yourself up in a situation and you're hurt, you have a relationship with someone and they hurt you, they reject you, then learn something from it, okay? And also learn how to set boundaries in your life of who you let into your world and who you don't allow into your world. You know, we're, we as Christians are supposed to love everybody, amen? Okay, we're supposed to love everybody. But some people you like love like this, up really close, okay? And some people you love from the back of the room. <laughs> I'm serious, okay? So, I'm not, not in this room, by the way. I love all of you in this room like this, okay? But in your life, in your world, there are people that you know get your goat, you know they have a way of creating pain in your life. And because they create pain and they create chaos and they create, they create all kind of stuff in your life, instead of just continually subjecting yourself to that kind of abuse in life, and some people are abusive by nature. Amen? Right? Some people are mean. Some people are ungodly. Some people are just downright, right? They don't understand how to... How to connect with other people and so you have to begin to build boundaries so that you can insulate your soul from unnecessary rejection you're going to get enough of rejection just from the closest relationships in your life that's a part of it. even your your closest friends you're going to feel times that you are rejected by them so you've got enough in your own inner world so to be careful that you set boundaries so that you're not subjecting yourself to pain that is in the outside world that's not necessary for your life love everybody be nice to everybody but at the same time be careful about those that are in your most inner circle of your life okay let me say this and i'll wrap this we're going to wrap up here real quickly in just a moment 
David uh, understood rejection. King David. There was a time in his life when his very own son, Absalom, wanted to steal the kingdom away from him. I can't imagine anything worse than the fact that Absalom had stood at the gates of Jerusalem and, and told all the people that would come to check out the king, oh, he really can't help you. And the Bible says that he stole the hearts of the men of Israel away from his father, David. He stole their loyalty. He's a thief. He's disloyal. He's a betrayer. Okay? And finally, he tries to take over the kingdom, Absalom does, from his very own dad. So much so, the thing became so intense that David had to leave Jerusalem. Walking out of the city of Jerusalem, that basically he had founded that city. And he's walking out, weeping, heading out through the Kidron Valley because his own son had rejected him and wanted to kill him, to take the kingdom from him. In the midst of all this pain that David is going through, the pain of the rejection of his very own son, he writes a psalm that every person here is familiar with, at least to some degree. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then it turns a corner and he says, even though I walk through the valley. Now, by the way, that was a physical valley as well as an emotional valley because he had to walk through the Kidron Valley on the way out of Jerusalem. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, what's the next word? Fear no evil. And then he tells us why. For you are with me. You hear that? Okay. He just has received rejection, but he realizes that God is still with him. You are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, notice this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now notice this. I've got a lot I could say about this passage. I'm only going to say one thing as we wrap this, this point up and wrap the message up here. He says at the end of it all, he's walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He's got his rod, his staff. He realizes there's enemies, and then he makes this statement, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I call that a man that did not let rejection get the better part of him. Okay. He said, yeah, they're rejecting me. And yes, I've gone through a valley, but I can promise you this. There is light at the end of my tunnel. I have not stopped experiencing goodness. I will not cease to experience goodness. Goodness will continue to follow me. It's tough right now. Somebody that I loved rejected me. But goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then when I get to heaven, it's great news after that. Because I will spend my eternity in the house of the Lord forever. See, that's the right perspective on rejection. The next three things you have on your notes, don't worry, because I'm going to cover them really fast. So put your pen in super-duper charged mode right now, okay? Number six, learn and practice godly and good relationship skills. I'm going to give you all three of these together. So just write them down real quick. We're going to cover them in a, in a brief moment. Learn, practice good, godly and good relationship skills. Number two, get busy developing you. And number three, retrain your brain. You got those? No? I'll give them to you again. Learn, practice godly, good relationship skills. Okay? Get busy developing you. And then the last one, retrain your brain. Okay? Those are the three last points. But beside the retrain your brain, just write down by that one next week, next weekend. Okay? 
Come back next weekend. I'm going to talk about, uh, about this one very specifically in relationship to the fear of loss in your life. Let me talk about the other two. You need to develop your relationship skills. If you don't have relationship skills, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get rejected. Okay? Because relationship skills are the skills necessary to build relationships. You can't build something if you don't have the skills, okay? If I sent you out to build a doghouse and you didn't have the skills, you didn't know what a hammer was, you didn't know what a saw was, you didn't know what a nail was, I don't care. I mean, you would build, it would be a horrible picture of the doghouse you would build, okay? You couldn't build anything without some skill set, okay? And the more complicated something is, the more skills that you need. So as the complication rises of a relationship or anything else in life, you've got to add skills. Skills are not like I'm born with them or either I don't. Skills are developed in your life. You have to be aggressive about developing them. If you want better relationships, have better skills. Develop you, okay? Be an interesting person, okay? Nobody wants to hang around someone that's boring, Right? Okay? Study, read, think, do some research, be a person that has some growth going on in them. And I promise you, you'll be far more attractive for relationships. You know, there's some people that haven't grown a bit since they left high school. They haven't developed their mind at all and developed their interests at all. And so be a person that all throughout your life you're developing yourself because then that gives you content for interaction. It gives you connections where people say, you know, I really want to get to know that person. I want to get into their world. Why? Because they've developed themselves. There's, there's, there's interest there. And develop yourself every realm. Develop yourself mentally, first of all, spiritually, of course. Be a growing Christian believer. Develop yourself mentally, emotionally. Take care of yourself physically. Do the best that you can with that. All these realms work together because that what, that's what allows you to be attractive, and it's okay to be attractive. In fact, I would prefer to be attractive than unattractive. Still doesn't mean everybody's going to like me, but at least I've set things up for better relationships. Amen? Okay. So you work on you, because when you work on you, you increase the world of possibility for interactions with the people around you. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for all of us, is that God would have, help us to have Less fear of rejection. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your word. We ask you'll take this message and apply it in our hearts. Help us, Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit to respond to you today. Lord, I want to pray especially for people that have painful rejections in their past. I pray that today would be the day of healing for them, that they would begin to let go and forgive and find the healing grace of God inside their soul to move forward in their life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that 
that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.